One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Square Ball Podcast. It's the Square Ball Podcast number 73, the, the Sunderland Podcast. <laughs> Starting straight away with the bad vibes. Yeah. It could only uh, get better. Uh, welcome along then. My name's Dan and we've got Michael. Hello. Moscow White. Hello there. And Oddie. Hello. First, let me tell you that issue six of our fanzine went on sale against Leicester. Uh, it's got a lovely Bobby Collins cover and we pay tribute to the great man inside. And there's lots of us moaning about us being shit. Yes. In a nutshell, yeah. It's a very entertaining issue despite what you might have read on the internet this week indeed it's available now via the squareball.net and you can also pick up subscriptions on there too white watching Sheffield Wednesday 6 Leeds United nil. <sighs> yeah. a, do we have to do this yes a, yes it's in your contract can't we drag the 10 players who played the second half in here and make them do it as record to pay us back and we'll watch them was spitting at them. It might be worse than this is going to be. I'm glad we've had another game in between this game, because otherwise I think we'd be um, slightly more suicidal than we are. What was the approach in after this? We we wondered about getting the podcast out, and I think your response was you didn't want to do it. And then we talked about getting the new issue of the magazine out, and the general feeling was didn't want to do it. It's, this was definitely just like a, a pack-in, go-home, stop-forever kind of... <laughs> game a deep hatred of Leeds United grew out of me after this match I mean it, it all started I guess with the 3-4-3 that's probably the origin of many of our travails in this match it didn't work against Rochdale what was Brian thinking I don't even know if you could describe it as 3-4-3 because it there seemed to be a system where they had a f- wing back still trying to play with a winger who were just kind of stood next to each other and then a massive Gap in the middle, then Ross McCormack up front by himself with no one anywhere near him. I mean, in one text message to a friend, I described it as a clusterfuck. I mean, would, would that be fair? <laughs> yeah. It's reasonably accurate. It's, I mean, it's the sole formation you come up with on Football Manager, and then having been beaten 6 0, you, you just quit the game. You're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not in that. That didn't work very well at all. I'm, re- I'm going to restart this and try again. With the question of what was Brian thinking, and what he said he was thinking was that he didn't want to change things too much from the Rochdale game. But, but uh, Brian... Um... <laughs> yeah, there'd been, there'd been a big problem with the Rochdale game, and I don't know what part of being at Scotland when there were like 3,000 Leeds fans, <laughs> a step away from dragging Lions onto the pitch to deal with him, um, where he thought, you know, hmm, I like the way this has gone. <laughs> I'll try that again. Yeah. I'll try it again, just with wingers yeah. um, standing on our wing-back's toes. By not changing it too much, he brought two wingers in. Yes, well... Which sort of changed it a little bit. Made it worse. For the worse, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's ideal as well when you've got players who are maybe not settled at a club um, to play them in a formation they've never seen before in and, their whole life. And possibly not match fit. Yeah, it's good to just give them a ground and say, where are you playing? It's 3-4-3. Three, three. <laughs> which, which bit am I? You make... you. I don't know. You're one of the four or one of the threes. I don't know. Get out like, there. Have a crack at it, lads. Go on. <laughs> The idea possibly was that they had Pew and Peltier to help them through the difficult early stages, but they were basically standing with their arms around each other throughout the whole whole match. <laughs> we'll get through this together. Matt Smith then, was it ascending off or was well, it a bit soft? Was it bollocks ascending off? I no. Think it was no. Ascending off. That's that then? Yeah, <laughs> next. 
Should we put this to the square ball uh, official rules panel that we established last week? Are we are we ruling that out? And we are we saying the game changed at that point? Maybe or the game definitely changed at that point. I think what we need to do is retrospectively apply the red card that was given to Matt Smith to uh, Raider Johnson, the player that he brushed lightly with his shoulder, <laughs> who earlier in the game went straight through the back of um, Jimmy Kebe with a forearm smash to the back of the head. There was also a disgraceful tackle on Danny Pugh. Yeah, um, allow that. Though. Yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> when he was running back to goal, and one of their players just. Um, Stamped all over the back of his leg. I have a feeling that was the same guy. I think it was this Raider Johnson character just kept fouling and fouling and fouling. And then when he felt the slight breeze as Matt Smith ran past him, went down holding his head. And Lee Probert... As Matt Smith watched the ball go over his head. Yeah. <laughs> in typical fashion. And Lee, no! Lee Probert did that annoying thing of walking slowly over and then going, oh, to see how badly hurt he is. As if that has any bearing on whether it should be offensive. It's quite... Um, uh, what I recommend you do is you go back and watch and uh, and scream at the injustice of it all, but also watch Jason Pierce's breakdown as Chris Kirk as he notices Chris Kirkland. It starts with him sort of saying, "Fuck off back to your goal, Christopher," and ends with him. It looks like they're trying to put him in a straight jacket and he's resisting, and he just sort of disappears down out of camera shot onto the floor. <laughs> Sorry, were you just advocating us going back and watching this again? Only this bit. All right, no, any, any, no. <clears throat> none of the rest of it, thanks. You're talking about the wingers then. Um, how do you think they fared on their respective debuts, if you can possibly untangle it from the mess of the scoreline? They were no worse than anyone else. They were a 12 in Michael's scoring system. <laughs> they weren't. They were like six. Oh. Yeah. I thought 12 was as low as you can go. No, no. There's no, there's no lowest you can go. <laughs> Our 12 was really bad, wasn't it? Yeah, and they got a six. Yeah, and they got six. So the oh, half okay. half as good as really bad. Yeah. Can you? Is it their fault? Really? Yeah. Well, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be the ones that you picked out as being no. shit. Therefore, I set for a twelve. People that, did. Of course, I have to say the reaction to them over. Oh, what a waste of time and money. Those yeah. two are sort of not seeing the bigger picture there. Although it is quite amusing if you look back on the official website. They did a story about whether you wanted to place some bets on what our new wings would do, and they illustrated it with a picture before the game of, uh, well, the day before the game of Brian McDermott standing in front of a tactics board, pointing out to them like the the weekend's tactics. Jimmy Kebe, their head in hands. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> oh no, it didn't work, but it wasn't their fault. And you know, you can't really judge whether they were any good or not. It's a, a shame that Matt Smith got sent off when he did, because it would have been interesting to see what 4-4-2 with Matt Smith uh, up front would have been like in the second half. Because Sheffield Wednesday are a nonsense team and we should have beaten them, but it was only 2-0 when Mathieu got red-carded. Brian McDermott had woken up at half-time yeah. and come to his senses and we had a sensible second-half approach, which was going to be Kebby and Stewart. Should we, should we officially rule out everything that happened after the sending off? Are we going to do that then? Um, that would be a very nice favour to Marius Saliukas. <sighs> yeah, on the last podcast... Yeah, um, <laughs> I believe Dan even because he didn't get around to releasing it until after the Sheffield Wednesday game some of your gushing over Marius was edited out and you still managed to gush I said in the wake of this game that it felt like one of those performances that 20 years from now when Marius writes his autobiography there'll be like a special section devoted to this game and you'll find out that like his dog died that morning or that his favourite cousin was rushed to hospital just before the game or that he just hates travelling to Sheffield and had a some kind of nervous breakdown because what was exceptional about how bad he was was knowing how good he has been since he arrived and then suddenly he's back healing the ball into the penalty area. That was the nice um, thing because when Tom Lees is bad he looks all flustered and worried like a little boy who's let his mum and dad down. Marius continues to stroll. I think, well, back well, heel now. There wasn't a stroll. Why not? I can't remember if it was the fourth, the fifth or the sixth goal that he <laughs> There were, were so many. That they, they slipped past him and he was left literally grasping for air. Was it like a mime, one of those street mimes? No, it's as if he's reaching out for the light at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> like having a near-death experience. Let me tell you, there isn't any. While the Sheffield Wednesday players is running towards the, the goal with the ball. It's a train. Yeah. And then he's not even on the bench against Leicester. Which was fair enough. He needed a lesson after that. McDermott, after this game, could legitimately have dropped all of them, though. Mm. It's actually the sort of game that causes people to go mental and say, play the kids, (laughs) play all of the kids. 
And we'd have lost 10-0. Get Eddie Gray as manager. Well, that was why I thought it was interesting to drop Salukas in particular when Austin kept his place because Salukas has been ace and then was amazingly terrible, whereas Austin's been poor and then was terrible. With the captain thing, would that be a double kick in the nuts for Austin that you've been a bit shit, we're taking the captaincy off you and I'm dropping you as well? I assume he's got two nuts. He might have got. Yeah. It might have happened that way because we've got four centre-backs and half a central midfielder at the whole club. It's, so. it's probably worth at this point then segueing into the Leicester game because we saw a vastly different performance from Rudy and quite a number of others greatly improved on the Wednesday performance, but it couldn't have got much worse, could it? He looked like a proper midfielder again, didn't he? He's strange as Austin. I think the way his game is, it's very much about running a lot. So when he's just a half a yard slow, he doesn't ever get near the ball. So he's literally just aimlessly charging about the place. If he can just improve himself by about 5%, he seems to actually turn a terrible performance into quite a good one. But then again, he was uh, making up for having Brown alongside him in the midfield here. I mean, you know, credit, absolutely. I mean, as much as we've taken the piss out of Brown and we would probably like to see the back of him, and I would, don't get me wrong, he had a good game. He should have been no, sent off didn't. in this game for diving yeah. twice. Yeah. There was nothing about his performance in this game that endeared him to me whatsoever. No. Okay. He was just... I mean, that, I thought he played well. That oh, one man. where he was um, lying apparently injured on the edge of the centre circle while Leicester went on to have about two chances and then you look back at the replay and it's like, I wonder what happened to him because, you know, I'm really concerned about how Michael is. And it was just the most ridiculous. He'd been a slight tap and he went flying through the air. He's worse than Cristiano Ronaldo in that respect. In and every, in every respect. <laughs> and there was Varney's free kick that he earned as well. Where he just kicked the ball one way and just ran into the defender. Well, that's that's legitimate. It's not. I hate to say that. Oh, okay. Especially from someone so shit. We've got rubbish divers, haven't we, really? <laughs> yeah. Maybe if Kebby and Stewart started trying to dive, it would look vaguely convincing because you could at least say, oh, they were running yeah. a speed. Yeah, you could use excuse. momentum to yeah. mask the yeah. older, uh, yeah. But Varney and Brown can't <laughs> but, yeah, ever get another job. Brown moving backwards. There was one good dive from Varney when he got the ball on the wing in front of the East Stands and <laughs> tripped over his own feet and just went absolutely <laughs> flying. It was as if he's... It was as if somebody had tied his um, bootlaces together and then kicked the ball at him. It's fantastic the way I mean, he, he topples like a, just like a. It's as if his his feet are nailed to the floor and he just. It's In the last pod, we talked about our best moments of the season. Yeah, that was that was probably it. <laughs> <laughs> the reaction of everyone was just like, "Oh Jesus, <laughs> falling over." It was it was um, Enoch esque. I remember him once doing a similar thing in front of the um, in front of the cop. I think the ball was at his feet though with Enoch and he, he tried to do a shimmy and he just toppled. Oh God, I remember that. Yeah, yeah and it just rolled out for a goal kick, didn't it? Yes, he was trying. Yes. It's like I don't he know what he was, I can't remember what he was trying to do, but yeah, he, he tried doing a cry turn or something and just toppled like an oak. It wasn't as bad as Steve Morrison's uh, last season. And he, just, I, he had the ball in, in their box and managed to run it out for a goal kick. It takes, by it, takes, it takes a special talent to do that. With nobody with him. Right, so listen, we went back to 4-4-2 in this game. Back to the future. Is it the future or is it the past? It helped Rudy, I think. I noticed he he was dropping into defence a lot, like if Pierce was up front and not getting back, Rudy would quite easily just slot in at centre-back and he was covering all across the back four. So he seemed to suddenly, I think it helped his performance that he knew his job much more. And he wasn't just sort of hanging around trying to decide. Is our team a bunch of simpletons? Can I not play anything other than a four-four-two? I think that's <laughs> testing them at times. <laughs> How many? Well, bus? The, the first, the three-five-two-five-three-two when it started was all fine. So they seemed to cope with it then. But I don't know. Maybe he tried to introduce some complicating it, element. He tried to just change the front end of the pantomime horse, didn't he? Didn't communicate with the rest. No. But um, the wingers in their first home game still impressing nobody. <laughs> Kebby's got two big things against him. One, he's not fit. He looks really slow compared to how fast he can be. And two, he's not a tackler. There was a lot of um, fucking hell, Kebby. Get some blood on your boots. Yeah, get in him, Kibble. Come on. He's just not. Um, he's not ever going to be flying around with the tackles. But he does seem like sort of prancing about when they could be getting stuck Strangely in. Strangely enough, having just having two wingers, even wingers not playing very well, made us better though. Just having a having a, a structure of football that people could understand. There'll be a man stood out there, and behind him will be another man yeah. who can, in theory, overlap with him. It was taking some getting used to, though. I noticed several occasions the ball would sort of be passed around the midfield, and then they'd just keep like it would be heading to the left wing. Is one I remember? I think it was Pierce, 
could have played it out to Stewart and instead he just turned inside and passed it to Boston and he's kind of turned around and noticed out the corner of his eye that Cameron Stewart was standing there like what the fuck he put his hand up as if to say he's like I completely forgot you were here. <laughs> and probably Varney's same excuse when Varney just ran straight into him as well. That was the other... <laughs> what are you doing here? It was in exactly the same, same ball. It was in yeah. exactly the same spot where Varney just got the ball and collapsed as well. I think there might be like a Bermuda Triangle of Luke Varney just in front of the East Stand. The other two things just collapse and Bringing fall. Bringing down shipping and aeroplanes. And then just crashing straight through Cameron Stewart when they were both going for the same ball. All the players that Brian signed were left out of this. Murphy, Wooton, Jalukas and Hunt. What does that say about his signings? I still quite like Murphy and I still like Jalukas. I'm disappointed Brown's in ahead of Murphy. Mm. Is it not a case that he perhaps needed some experience in there and cool cool heads, he says, but... um, (laughs) You know, people who have got the mental toughness to deal with the situation and obviously the amount of pressure that's grown after such a big defeat and so many defeats would be a different thing to handle. Brown's one advantage is that he doesn't care. It's also his massive disadvantage because he frankly doesn't care, but he doesn't care. Whereas Murphy strikes me as kind of guy who cares. A sensitive little soul. Yeah, whereas Brown is impervious to all feelings or criticism or comments or abuse. Yeah. And yeah, so I guess if that's what you're looking for, is you're looking for Austin to get his mojo back and Brown to just not care. I um, think McDermott possibly picked the team to maybe scrape a draw mm. or get a one a one nil defeat, which is what we ended up with. <laughs> we could have but been after Sheffield Wednesday. It, you would probably have taken that. I think as long as, long as we don't get embarrassed, as long as there's a, as long as there's an improvement. Don't you think we were a bit unlucky though? Could oh, definitely. Four, could we four nil up at half time. Yeah, we they should. weren't all that. Tom Lee's header, Ross McCormack's one on one. Tom Lee's header. That was so close in. I've not yeah. seen a replay of it. He was, he was about that a yard co- That caused, caused me to weep. <laughs> I wept. You're like Luke Murphy. You care too much. <laughs> All this then leaves us after 26 games in 12th position on 35 points. Four, is it five defeats on the bounce we've had now, including the Cup? No wins in six games in the league. We are six points from the playoffs and 11 from relegation. So as we stand at this juncture in the season, how are you feeling now? Better after Leicester than I was after Chef Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. I think I would have just punched you if you asked me that after the Wednesday game. Seven. The news. We'll start off this section then by paying tribute to uh, Bobby Collins, former captain of Leeds, um, who sadly died this week. And a man who was probably the very start of the modern Leeds United as we know it. He definitely uh, set the template which um, has continued throughout Leeds, and th- which we kind of like now that short Scottish people are absolutely integral to all our good sides. So Bobby Collins was first, Billy Bremner, Gordon Strachan, not going to include David Hopkin because he was too tall. <laughs> the tributes that have been paid this was Eddie Gray who said he was probably the best signing Leeds United ever made, ever. And he had that much impact. And it's hard to sort of imagine a time when players like Billy Bremner and Norman Hunter were just shy kids. But Billy Bremner nearly went home out of homesickness, I think. It took Bobby Collins to come in and kind of show them what being, well, show them what being a man was all about. He sounds quite terrifying, I'll be honest. (laughs) You will stay. Yeah. The the sort of reports of him in training being very competitive in absolutely everything he did. I was going to say, I didn't realise until I saw the eulogies and whatnot this week or the reviews in the paper um, of his career that he's the same height as my wife. She's quite easy to knock off the ball. (laughs) Although she does tend to get the last word in. So... Fair play to him, he must have been quite a big character. He was very broad from the pictures of him. He's, he's about as wide as he, is, as he is tall. Well, one of the things I found in an old football annual was something from when he was at Everton and they were talking about his uh, muscle definition and how strong he was for somebody so small. And uh, they had a quote from a former trainer at Celtic who said that if you, if you lined up a football team and blindfolded the, uh, the trainer and asked him to massage them one by one, he would know Bobby Collins by the feeling of the muscles in his calves. I don't know what that... It's like the homoerotic <laughs> annual you've got there. <laughs> um, on to captains, then we have a new one. He's also a small Scotsman. Ross McC- well. Yes, Ross McCormack is the new man with the armband now after Rudy and Brian decided between them that uh, he'd be giving it back. Rudy never wanted it in the first place. It seemed to bear quite a weight on his shoulders. Yes, and turn him to crap. It even made him soft in that Sheffield Wednesday game. He got bullied. Getting knocked about all over the place. Like Luke Murphy's younger brother. <laughs> well, that was it. He's. I mean, in an ideal world, you'd want Rudy to be being a Bobby Collins figure for someone like Murphy or Moet to look up to and bulk up to. But 
if all he's doing is just flailing around on the floor, there's no point in him wearing the armband. It seems to me that instead of delegating the responsibility as captain, he seemed to just take all the responsibility onto himself and let it make him worse. So if Murphy was playing badly, instead of getting him to play better, Austin would just start playing really badly as well. Try and absorb his badness almost, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as if it was his fault that Murphy was playing so badly. So he would be bearing the brunt of two bad performances and just making himself worse. And now Ross McCormack can deal with it all. McCormack is very much the current Mr Leeds United. There's always one. Well, not always. I think the team that got relegated from the Championship, I hated most of them. Trezor Candol, though. Yeah, but most team, most of these teams, there's a, there's a player in there who you kind of defines the team, I think. Maybe it was Luciano. Maybe it was Robert Snodgrass. Well, McCormack. I don't think either of those would have been a good captain, though. Snodgrass was captain, wasn't he, for a while? He was, and I think... I I think that was when we were just trying desperately to get him to stay. I think I remember campaigning for Luciano Becchio to be made captain of Leeds United. Man, a few words, say That campaign continues to this day. (laughs) (laughs) I always thought he'd be good. Can you make someone captain if they don't play for you? In the mid-90s, we had... um, Gary McAllister was the f- team captain and Gordon Strachan was the club captain when his back was keeping him out the side. Um, he was at the club, though. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I think Michael meant at a different oh, club. Oh, at a different club. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't see why not. Well, it's like a honorary position. I mean, Lord Harewood never played for Leeds United and was president. So why can't Luciano Becchio, who is in our top 10 goal scorers, be captain? Take that box, then. He's not even played for Norwich, so... That- yeah, exactly. There's still split loyalties. He's technically without a club at the moment. He's freelancing, so. isn't he? Yeah, he, so he was on the pitch the other day. I, I was watching match the no. day. And, and he, his name was mentioned as no, a corner came in. I don't believe it. Well, I can't believe, believe it. It was like seeing a ghost. <laughs> McCormack is probably better suited than Rudy in many ways to the visiting sick kids and you know smiling in photographs with dignitaries angle. Any photograph that you've seen of Rudy Austin on a hospital visit or something, he's generally staring into the distance and like <laughs> as if he's seen somebody that he's held a grudge against for years so that side of things looks like a very, a very keen advocate of euthanasia <laughs> <laughs> just using his eyes speaking of uh, holding grudges the uh, Jason Punchin versus Neil Warnock thing now that's interesting isn't it that's what you might term escalated <laughs> who thought yes. when Jason Punchin missed that penalty in hilarious circumstances <laughs> that uh, Neil Warnock would A have a view on it B be paid to express that view and C that um, Jason would um, disagree so vehemently. <laughs> Punchin does have history, though, with the old Twitter. He had a spat with Ken Bates, didn't he, when um, we were supposed to be signing him? He shot from the hip, didn't he, when I mm. think Bates dissed him. Well, Bates was using him as an example of players demanding too much money to sign for a club, and Jason Punchin may have used a phrase referring to him as a silly old man and said he wasn't even ever signing for Leeds anyway so he didn't know where it would come from um, ironically enough because he was rocking up at QPR that very night I believe. well exactly and they said uh, great club though good fans at Leeds but I don't know what your chairman's on about because I was never never coming neither do we Jason neither no. do we just to delve into this a bit deeper I mean what, what, what can we say about it I mean is the obviously the tweets were taken down quite quickly but do survive in screenshot form um, and they also survive I think in several legal submissions that are being made to Jason Punchin by Neil Warnock's legal representatives. Is, is he actually taking this to court? I'm sure um, Neil will want to get everything out in the open and clear his name. Well, Absolutely, we, yeah. Yes, we've uh, we've checked with our legal representatives about what it is safe to say about uh, the accusations made against Neil Warnock, and we've been told that we can say the following. Which I think clears it up quite nicely. I mean, yes, yeah. But watch it with interest. Yeah, it's a, that's a definitive viewpoint. If you you know if you're going to look at one. Hey, we're on telly a lot, aren't we? Mm. Mm. Um, we're never off the telly these days. I'm sick of it. Oh, it does give one an excellent opportunity to make lots of animated gifs and to see how bad we are. Yeah, well, you can easily download a copy of the game straight afterwards because it's been on Sky and chop it up. It does me did me and ended up watching the Sheffield Wednesday game twice. God, I know. A dozen, a dozen goals. Value for money. Yeah, well, that's is why it, is Sky... Is it still in the uh, Sheffield Wednesday club shop yet? I'm sure yes, it, it is. Be. Is it? Yeah. Right, excellent. That's why Sky is so keen to show us all the time and to move our kickoffs so that everybody's lunch can be enjoyed while watching the goals sail past Paddy Kenny. <laughs> it's the one away game this season I actually have 
booked the train ticket for as well is, uh, is QPR. And well, that, it's that's escaped. been moved, has it? Did you book it for the right time? Or? Uh, thankfully, I booked it for silly times. So, yes, it, anything kicking off between half past ten and ten at night would have seen me safe. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is fortunate because those tickets were non-refundable, weren't they? Yes, correct. £5 each way, though. Good Yorkshire price. It has come to something, though, when you're trying to organise your travel and the only way you can do it is to decide to wake up at three in the morning just to ensure that you've got a chance of seeing the match. If I stay awake for 48 hours and travel at the most extreme aspects of the weekend... and then You'd be guaranteed move, to get 90 minutes kip while watching Leeds. And then they'll probably just move it to Thursday anyway. I mean, Michael, you don't get out much these I days not, not with, no. you, with your twin children. Presumably you'll be on the ale from approximately 6am or...? About eight, about eight. It's after the game that's the worry because the train back to Leeds isn't until ten at night, which is bedtime. <laughs> yeah, I mean these days when you've got two kids, you're asleep by then. And there's quite a lot of hours after the game. Isn't this um, how you ended up trying to walk home from Wakefield once? <laughs> the Forest game against Forest. Yeah. So you didn't even have to go to London. No, I thought Micklefield was a lot closer to where I lived than it was because it doesn't take very long in a car. But <laughs> in a car, you're on a, um, a dual carriageway. Which it turns out you can go like up to sixty miles an hour, seventy miles an hour even on, um, and I don't walk that fast. I mean, so you're going to be in London for the best part of half a day with nothing to do, really. I mean, yeah, correct. Visit I might, some museums. I, the way it is, I have time to see a show. I might even catch a matinee. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. We can go and see who else plays around Shepherd's Bush. You can just go and see another game. Speaking of other games, hey, segue. Apparently now we're best friends with the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Fine ice hockey club. I've always enjoyed these uh, minority sports. I think, do you see Jermaine Defoe's first interview <laughs> with uh, Toronto? Yeah. Signed for FC Toronto. First question, uh, how, how do you feel? It's, oh, it's great to be here in America. <laughs> oh, God. USA! USA! Yeah. Well done. Yeah, we're best... <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen that. Fucking hell. He's good. Well, that's yeah. why he stayed at Tottenham for so long, because he doesn't know where anywhere else is. But yeah, we know where the 49ers are. They're in San Francisco and they play Gridiron and we're linking up with them. Although they made no mention of this link up whatsoever. I think one of their executives ended up sending out a desultory tweet several hours later where he was like, real excited about the soccer thing. With the Leeds white shirts. Hashtag LFC. (laughs) It's an exciting arrangement, according to our website. It says, the exciting arrangement, we'll see. I'm excited. The American football pioneers. What are they going to do? They're going to send a delegation to Leeds to meet with senior management staff to discuss key areas of the club's business, including ticketing strategies, sponsorship, commercial opportunities, technology, retail, merchandising. Go 49ers. I get the impression they're quite a well-set-up club. Is this going to be a little bit of a comic relief mission where they're, they're, <laughs> the rich Americans coming over to... They're playing JLS to our poor African children. They do. They already have a link-up with Tottenham. and a Tottenham. What? I know. We're not even first in line. Um, and a Tottenham fan was tweeting about it and I asked what... Did they think they're the same it. team? Have they just gone, what? Why shouldn't And they did apparently have a... Because when the 49ers played at Wembley, which is very near Tottenham... They had a meet-up where, uh, like a training session with the, the soccer players mixing with the football players, which does raise the fantastic image of Michael Brown having punting with uh, one of their... What, who's the the kicker? Uh, Jason, say, Jason, the, come over here, Piercy. Yeah, see, <laughs> see who can kick it furthest. Exactly, yeah. And then um, Matt Smith employed as a wide receiver. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, they did trump it as like a real exciting link up and then it is just like, well, their executive staff is going to meet our executive staff and just like, it's, it almost sounds like a like a sticker swap meet. You got any good sponsors? It's like, well, yeah, we got Enterprise Insurance. Andy Andy wants to buy us. So, well, we've got... Uh, Flowers in his hair. <laughs> San Francisco, yes. Well, hey, well, we've got uh, Coca-Cola. Oh, okay. We'll swap you, uh, we'll give you Monarch Airlines and... LSS skip higher. <laughs> Neil Bodger. Um, yeah, we'll give you Neil. We think we've got, we got, we still got the uh, Lurpak Butterman outfit. <laughs> give you all that for Coca Cola. Uh, Throw in the elephant, you got a deal. So, what it's got to do with us, unless they come and play at Elland Road, then, you know. Maybe they'll just come over and say, hey, you guys, what you need to do is get some good players or stats. Have you ever looked at a a playbook from a, a American football game. Well, I spend about 0.237 of my day looking at American uh, 
yeah, playbooks. Yeah, yeah, that's very much what it's like. On the transfers front, then speaking of players, uh, we have our two wingers. Uh, apparently, there is a another body on the way. Who that will be, we have no idea. You make it sound like Brookside, as if we, McDermott's got these people buried under his patio. Well, th- I was going to say, I think things have probably got as desperate as we're going to be hoying the patio up just to try and find somebody who can pull on a shirt, give a contract to. It's been a fairly uninspiring transfer window so far, wouldn't you say? I know we've got the wingers. I know this is set against the backdrop of the takeover, which mm. we'll come on to. But you look at what's happened with Ashley Barnes, apparently blocked by GFH. It's not looking good, is it, at the minute? Well, the the start of the transfer window, in fact, just before it started, McDermott said he'd given four names to, I assume, Dave. And then he the next day he said, oh, well, we found out one of those has already gone to the Premier League. So that was strike one off. And then Stuart and uh, Kebe have arrived. Hurrah. So that's two. two so that takes us to three accounted for. So there's one more that we're chasing. But if that was Ashley Barnes who's gone to Burnley. Luciano. <laughs> but if we assume it was Barnes, then we're, then we're done. But he's still plus, talking about meeting with other players and it's complicated. Plus those two signings are both loan signings. Well, those Stuart is obviously coming in permanently. Um, do, we, and, do we have yeah. to keep him? Kevy's coming permanently if we get promoted. So that's as good as done. But it is interesting to see who else might turn up because clearly th- those were the four. We've got two. One's gone to Premier League, one's gone to Burnley. So anything now is not off of McDermott's original list. Would you have liked Naki Wells if we had enough pennies to buy him? Probably, yeah. He did score on his debut, which Scott was almost... Since as well. so in both games. <laughs> kind yeah. of suggests he didn't have too much trouble stepping up. Like Matt Smith, yeah. Well, Matt Smith Matt scored Smith a load scored of goals. Quite a lot of goals. Not Luke, in every game. Luke Murphy. <laughs> well, Luke yeah. Murphy scored in his first game as well. He's picking very bad examples. Pick on Noel Hunt. He's been terrible. <laughs> That's who you want to point to. He's terrible at the step down. <laughs> yes. Um, so, Naki Wells. I mean, that was an apocryphal tale. We don't know if we were in for him, but we probably would have liked him. But We were definitely in for Ashley Barnes, but we got done by the Burnley lot. Their managers come and swooped. Mm. I imagine he must have just whisked the sweep. him up. <laughs> <laughs> we were rumored as well to be in for Adam LaFont. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Andra. Uh, but he put he put paid to that yeah. by scoring a twenty minute hat trick for Reading. The um, Terry Butcher actually said something about this. Um, he's mani- Terry Butcher. <laughs> Terry Butcher's managing some uh, Scottish club, and he was talking about the frustration of the January transfer window because they've been looking at a striker. He said he uh, on an afternoon he was listening to Radio Five and writing down the list of players that they were going for, and he heard a score update come from Sheffield United, and it said such and such to score, and he immediately just had to go, for fuck's sake, and just put a, a big line through his name, he's like, well, we'll never fucking get him now. Well, the good news now, then, is that we are in for Leroy Lita and Luke Moore, neither of which seems to really score, so I don't think that's going to be a problem for either of those two. Leroy Lita was good about six years ago, and now he just pisses around going to different clubs for mm. ten games. Well, he's got his big wages from Swansea, so he doesn't want to leave. Well, returning to Ashley Barnes then, so we are told, apparently blocked by GFH. So this leads us nicely into the takeover. Takeover, anybody? Takeover's finished by now, isn't it? 
I've not been keeping up with the newspapers. It's, ta- it's taking a while. It's well, t- my understanding was the last time I looked at anything, um, I believe David Haig said at the start of December that it would be done in time for the transfer window. So I've not really looked at anything since then. I just assumed it was all done and dusted. You just took him at his word? Yes. A formality. Took him at his teeth. <laughs> there was the issue with the Football League. It was dragging on. There was some T's to cross and some dots to I. I see. Yeah, Paper, yeah. Paperwork yeah, problems which, with the Football League. Yeah. I, know. Uh, I think maybe, maybe Sean had run out of um, ink for his rubber stamp. Has he not managed to install his new sock-based work ethic at the Football League yet, Sean? He's getting there. They're, they're at sort of sandals combo at the minute. Um <laughs> So the sandals need to come off before the socks can be worked off. Yes, it's been it's been rewarded for mediocrity throughout his career. So he's he's probably just trying to stick with um with that pattern at the mm. football league. We've basically been under takeover for about two years now, haven't we? Yeah, when yeah. it first started, in fact, I was not married and had no children. Now I have, <laughs> now I have, I'm married with two kids. That's how long this has gone on. You were at school, weren't you? <laughs> Yeah, it's dragging beyond the boundaries of what we might deem acceptable now, isn't mm. it? People are getting a little bit frustrated. Well, that boundary traditionally is the end of the transfer window. And the end of the transfer window is now much nearer than the opening. We're leaving it so Jim White can be more excitable. Signing players now, Jim White's not bothered. Well, if you cast your mind back to um, 1996, echoes of that summer when Leslie Silver and Bill Fotherby were selling out to the uh, Caspian group... And that was a very strange summer. Well, I think the point people have been beginning to make is why is it always Leeds United that can't just do a takeover smoothly? And they're absolutely damn right, because I think this was like the first traditional takeover. It's when we changed from just a club being run by local businessmen to a PLC being run by... They were a London media company who came and bought us. But that summer... The hold-up was Bill Fotherby and Leslie Silver wanted to sell. Caspian Group with uh, Jeremy Fenn, Chris Akers, who had um, I think been involved at QPR, and it was, was it Richard Thompson, and they were all in place to buy Leeds United. And there was a guy called Peter Gilman, who was the third member of uh, of the Leeds United board, just went, no. Don't want to. Don't want to. He claimed he had an agreement. He had a gentleman's agreement with Silver and Fotherby that all three had to agree to any sale. And because he wouldn't agree, they were just selling it anyway. So we ended up in court all summer. And if you think the current situation where we're all wondering about signing players is ridiculous, that summer we were in and out of court and then there was one glorious day when they declared, takeover's done. Caspian Group have bought Leeds United. Then to prove it, Nigel Martin turned up, signed a contract. Lee Bowyer was signed. and spent about five million quid on the pair of them. The best young teenager in the country and the most expensive young teenager in the country and the best goalkeeper uh, Leeds United ever had. It was a hot day in July 1996. Uh, we thought all our problems were solved. And then uh, the next day, Pilt Gilman put another writ into court and uh, that period of joy ended. And we couldn't sign anybody else until September. Season started, Howard Wilkinson, Gary McAllister pissed off to Coventry. That's how annoying it was. And it pretty much set the template for how takeovers at Leeds United must be done. They must be drawn out. They must prevent the team from being improved. They must be declared finished. And then they must be restarted again. Admittedly, the amount of time GFH between declaring it finished in December last year and then David Haig saying he's buying it off them in December this year, it's quite a long time to declare it done and then restart it again. But yeah, we're always like this. The Caspian one was a bit of an old-fashioned one, though, because the people buying it were not the people already at the club. Whereas our last couple of takeovers have been have been yeah. cosy little affairs of... Well, People buying it off themselves. Mm. Bates My- kind of did it a few times, including <laughs> the, ad- the admin process. Well, even when they bought it off Bates, Haig said that they'd basically been running things while the takeover was going on. They said that they'd arrived in the summer and had been working it, to use a phrase from a Beyonce record. <laughs> <laughs> Anniversaries were a year and a month from GFH revealing themselves, not in that way. <laughs> and we're nine years almost to the day since Ken Bates revealed himself in the Dracula way, and it's 14 years and a bit since Caspian pitched up. So it's been, I mean, you said, you said at the start, we've been in takeover mode for two years. You could argue, especially with all the shuffling that went on in the early days of Leeds Sporting, when they, some damn fool let Peter Ridsdale get involved and everybody else fucked off because they could see how bad it was getting. 14 years, 40, a 14-year takeover. It has kind of all snowballed one into the other, really, hasn't it? The, each one has come as a consequence of the last. Probably the Ken Bates era is the most stable period of ownership we've ever had. 
Because we didn't know who the 90s. fuck it was. Yeah, we didn't know who it was. Nobody knew how to get in touch with them. We knew we had Ken, 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 Hates, Ken Bates hanging around as a front for it. And we knew he wasn't going anywhere without a fight. We should have we should have kept him. We should have appreciated what we had. <laughs> well, I actually had a bit of sympathy for Beast and Dave from when they announced that he was going to be heading this consortium. Because it didn't happen straight away, people were on his back. And because they did it on Twitter... And you shouldn't really be dealing with no, business come on. on Twitter. But- he, no, he's made his own bed. He's got to lie <coughs> in it. If you start courting everybody on Twitter like they have done and releasing statements ahead of it being done, it's their own bloody fault. No, the facts I'm making is that we've put up for eight years of Ken Bates doing what Ken Bates did and the movement against Ken Bates took a long time to come about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair yeah. point. But then again, so- it's, it's, a, it's a snowball effect, isn't it? It's all cumulative. Everyone's yeah. fed up yeah. of this now. Well, it depends on where the problem actually lies because David Haig is getting all the abuse for not completing the takeover. Whereas if we take the fact that GFH blocked the Ashley Barnes transfer as an indication of where the difficulties lie. Or where the power lies. Or where the power lies, then there's not really a right lot that Smiler can do about it because it's up the chain in Bahrain is where the problem lies. And But then we've got... um Salah Nerudin is on that board, as well as being on our board, but then there is a whole group of other people who run Gulf Finance House, which are over and above and in control of Gulf Finance House Capital, which is where David Haig is employed. So he is trying to buy it off people up the chain and trying to buy it off the same people who blocked the Ashley Barnes transfer for whatever. So it could be that there is a limit to what he can do, which just makes him even stupider for announcing it at the end of November anyway. And for these statements of reassurance that keep coming out weekly, where it says David would like to reassure the fans that uh, everybody's working really hard. Have you met Andrew? Andrew's part of the consortium. He's working really hard as well. Everyone's We're- working hard. Where are you, David? Oh, I'm in, um, I'm in Ghana this week. I'm just, uh- <laughs> Bhutan. <laughs> Going to Cambodia after this. If it was, and so if it wasn't for that kind of stuff, <laughs> poor man, his would, gap year doesn't finish till the summer. <laughs> <laughs> so he's bringing it on himself with a lot of the public side of things. But my fear is that the public side of things that we're all paying attention to is not the real problem. The problem is with the people who actually own everything. It's worth remembering as well that the people who own everything had a change of ownership themselves since buying Leeds United. It was Janahi. Was the the man at the top when they bought Leeds, and he quit and they got a new bod in. So who knows what is being thought up at base camp Bahrain, whether they want this Leeds United thing, what their expectations of this Leeds United thing are, and whether selling it to the MD of one of their subsidiary companies is good enough for them. And of course, we we might now end up be left with the situation where if this doesn't go through, and if it gets away from Hague, that we're left with GFH holding the baby, um, which they don't appear to want to do. There's a, a strange makeup and cross-pollination of people where you've got Sport Capital, which is David Haig and Andrew Flowers and some others unnamed, trying to buy it off GFH, while also David is working for GFH Capital, and then Salah Nerudin, who is IIB and Invest with his wife, who is also part of Gulf Finance House itself. What I'm getting at is if this doesn't work and David Haig doesn't buy the club with his Sport Capital Consortium and he's presumably would have to leave, otherwise it would be a little bit awkward, you know, David's hanging around. Tried to buy it, fails. I don't care. I'll just carry on working, you know. I, I like my desk. But assuming he can't just brave it out and has to leave, then who stays? Who was involved in his consortium is... is Nerudin, who could potentially have screwed him from both sides. And then you've got GFH themselves, who were letting Haig put his money in over the last year, because it sounds like David Haig's companies have supported Leeds United through the last year and paid for things where Gulf Finance House have not. Or possibly Andrew Flowers. Somebody's been putting in money through companies with David Haig's name on them. But if all that's out, then who pays to keep Leeds United going? Gulf Finance House presumably, but they seem to lose interest quite quickly. And plus, who the hell are they? Well, as we know, there's the the Farnan, Verity, Lucas, Pearson group waiting in the wings, presumably ready to pick up the ball if, if David Haig drops it. Now, I mean, what's your, what's your take on them? Would you like to see them come in? I'd like to see someone come in. <laughs> and quickly. Yeah, it's weird. The, the pressure to sell has been entirely generated by David Haig's anxiety to buy. Well, anxiety to shout about it anyway on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. So now everybody is really, you know, het up 
saying, when's somebody going to come in and buy the club and we want somebody to take over? Whereas if he just carried on pumping his loans in for the next year, nobody would really have minded. Nobody would have been particularly anxious for somebody to come and save us. Whereas now we are at the point where it is like just somebody come and buy the damn thing. But then again, is part of that born out of the fact that Farnan and co were sniffing around and he went public maybe to try and head him off at the pass? Well, yeah, I mean, we have got the takeover being played out on Twitter, which is Farnan tweeting every day saying, still locked out. Yeah, I mean, going back to them, then what is your opinion of them and how they've conducted and, and the expertise within their uh, their group? I mean, Farnan, quite closely related to Manchester United, as was uh, Devoy, who's named in the consortium. Uh, Farnan, largely responsible for marketing them in, in the Far East. I mean, he tweeted the other night about Leeds United being a potentially a, go- a global brand. Is it something you'd like to see? It's very cynical to talk about making a football club a global brand. I would like us to be a global brand for being a good football team, which I suppose one maybe goes alongside the other. Mm. But to just to just think we'll get this guy in because he'll make us a global brand, it sounds depressingly like we're trying to be the world's biggest bloody producer of commercial fans or something, yeah. <laughs> rather, um, rather than something that people actually care about. Plus it was his job at Sunderland where he was international marketing manager and that's why they had a sponsorship last season from a Invest in Africa. That's nice. Is that a charity? Uh, it was a charity which at the time had one member in its group that were seeking out investment in Africa. Blood diamonds. Large place. And they just um, fronted up after a year and knocked it on the head and said, actually, it's this oil company. Um <laughs> Who would they started up this charitable wing to try and look more charitable while they were being dragged through the courts for unfavourable working conditions? And I, I believe there's a problem with the tax bill in Uganda that they've had <laughs> to deal with. The, the problem with Tullow Oil was that they were seeking to promote investment in Africa, while a lot of people in Africa where they do business point out the fact that none of their business benefits any of the countries that they <laughs> extract oil from. Very um, much a sort of a colonial idea of yeah. investment. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, I guess the next question then is uh, GFH, better than the Mafia? Question mark. Not all Italians are in the Mafia. <laughs> Even ones who can't get a safety certificate for their hastily built new football stadium, they're not in the Mafia either. There's no evidence that Massimo Salino, um, I assume that's how you say it, I haven't checked. Massimo, we'll call him Massimo, we call Dave Dave. <laughs> So we can call Massi- Massimo. We can call Massi Massi, owner of Cagliari. It's weird how this has blown up. And I was just had a quick look on Twitter, and Phil Hay has been discussing it. Said that everybody he speaks to in Italy seems to think that his bid for Leeds United is very close to being a done deal, and that Massimo Salino, owner of Cagliari, will be our new owner. Um, but everybody he speaks to in Britain thinks the guy's all talk and it's absolute nonsense. But I've not seen yet a quote from Massimo that mentions Leeds United, what I've seen is that Calgary have been playing in various grounds this season that aren't their own because they can't get a safety certificate for their new stadium. And either man's pissed. So pissed that at the weekend, after they lost a home fixture away yet again, <laughs> he started his statement by saying, I'm going to Miami. Sorry. You looked at me then with a face that said, why no accent? Yeah. Mm, I'm going to Miami. Better, yeah. And then it seems like he's thrown a bit of a strop, which may, have, may or not have included words like, I don't need this. Mamma mia. Mamma mia, etc. Yeah. I could just buy a Leeds. And then everybody's run with it. And now there were rumours that he was at the game on Saturday. I don't... If uh, David Nugent woke up with a horse's head in his bed, then we'll know that he's obviously... One hopes so. Uh, um, very fond of Leeds. Now. But there's no actual... It's one of the things, there's no evidence for it because so many news websites now just keep republishing the, the same story. Tittle tattle. Tittle tattle. He does have form as well. He has tried to buy a few English clubs before or have been yes. rumoured to be interested in. I think Palace, QPR, and West Ham, I think, have all mm-hmm. been mentioned in the past. Do we know where his money's come from? Hey, family secret. <laughs> so, bro, we, we put this out to Twitter today. The question we asked was finish this sentence. This takeover is dot, dot, dot. And we've selected a few of our favourites. So, uh, dive right in, gentlemen. This takeover is. In the words of Teflon underscore Tommy, the underscore is very important, he says it's very much like making love to a beautiful woman. Ah, Swiss Tony. Yes, he hasn't finished, uh, the, unless there's a lot more tweets going on and on that we've missed, but um, that's his. According to Mr. T, LUFC, it's entertaining way of discharging your mobile phone battery. <laughs> and speaking of that, uh, Callum Bramley says it is as frustrating and desperate as trying to watch porn on your phone. <laughs> I liked um, Callum Archibald's um, attempts, he says... 
This takeover is like your parents say you are going to Disneyland, but we all know we're going to end up at Flamingoland. Nothing wrong with Flamingoland. Leeds United publicising beginning today the fact that there's a Leeds on the Road event coming up at Flamingoland. Leeds at the zoo. <laughs> well, I mean, we do that annual photo call now where they get... Um, the lem- the ring-tailed lemurs on Michael Brown. Yes, and it was the meerkats with Luciano, wasn't it? Yeah. So we do that every year. And also the absolute classic of uh, Sam Byram and A.D. White on a carousel swing laughing their heads off as they swing back and forth at speed, while in the background, Chris Dawson and Jason Pierce are sitting in the same swing, but barely moving in the breeze, both just staring at the ground as if with their coats, like, zipped up to their noses. Misery. Abject misery. Okay, any more? Stainless12345 says this takeover is as long as drawn out as Moscow's attempts at wooing back Luciano. Yeah, that's it's getting a bit sickening, is that, really? I dispute the word attempt. That implies failure. Ongoing. I have not failed. Yes, I'm like David Haig. It's imminent. (laughs) I want to reassure anybody listening that my fervent pursuit of Luciano Becchio is continuing at pace. We're all working very hard to make it happen. He's not. He's just sort of strolling around the beach. But as long as everybody's reassured by me saying I want to reassure them, then hopefully that's all the reassurance anybody needs to be reassured. Michael, this takeover is... According to Morty LUFC, as competent as Jeremy Beelan in arm wrestle. Which does, which is a bit unfair on Jeremy. I mean, excusing the fact that he's dead, I presume it means in a live arm wrestle with Jeremy Beadle. <laughs> one arm, perfectly would have been perfectly good. Depends, it depends. You might need the other one for balance, though. Moscow, this takeover is according to Tom Lorcan, This takeover is still better than Warnock's stupid, pointless, shitty fucking column. And then the power is in the brackets here because he means the column in the paper. It's not a euphemism. Doesn't mean his penis. He's not talking about his penis now. The only person, the only person talking about uh, <laughs> about little little. Neil, as Sharon likes to call him. Anyway, we don't need to go any further down that line. (laughs) Uh, I'm saying his wife talks about his knob a lot. Yeah. And by his knob, you mean little Neil, not full Neil. James Kellett and Philip McGowan both came up with a good one here. This takeover is... Unt isn't. See what they've done there. Yeah. Powerful. Final word then to Alex Metcalf. This takeover is... Uh, Like genital warts. Just as you think it's all over, it comes back even worse. Coming up. On the way then, Ipswich is the next game on Tuesday, the 28th of the month, followed by Huddersfield at home. Sigh. All right, these two games then, gentlemen. Ipswich first. I was quite annoyed when looking at Ipswich's current standing that they're above us in the league. Are they above us in the league? They're 10th. Where are we? 12th. Why in my head are we still like 7th and Ipswich are fighting a relegation battle? I didn't think Mick Mack was actually going to start doing a good job. This is unexpected. It's probably a testament to how bad our form has become, that they're not in particularly good form, yet they've somehow crept above us. They've had one win in six, three draws, two losses, and just the single solitary victory. They are better than Real Madrid, though. How so? In every respect, and I can prove it. Is this science? It's football statistics, which, as you'll know, are very popular nowadays. Yes. So, whoscored.com. Oh, the famous... Which I yeah. relied upon to predict our victory <laughs> over Sheffield Wednesday. It says that they attack a lot down the left. And I presume this is something to do with the fact that they've got Aaron Cresswell, or as I like to call him, Suffolk's Gareth Bale, who is a attacking left-back, two goals, nine assists. So, a lot for little Sam to deal with down the left. And he dealt with Gareth Bale before. We saw that in the Cup. So we've got nothing to fear there. However, they've also got a midfielder by the name of Cole Screws, which is what first drew my eye to him. He's called Cole Screws, and it's spelled... Um, there's Not no like R it in sounds. it. It's spelled nothing like it sounds, because I'm pronouncing it wrong. Skews. <laughs> Cole Skews. Sorry, I was giving you an extra R. It's S-K-U-S-E, which I didn't even think's a name for a human animal, but there he is. Um, 26 appearances and an 81.2% pass completion. Better than Cristiano Ronaldo who's only got 79.8. Messi's got better. So science proves and football statistics prove that this Cole Scoos is better than Cristiano Ronaldo. Fact. Not quite as good as Messi. Yeah. Um, and Michael Brown's got to kill him. Okay. And that way we'll win the game. It's, it's likely to happen. Just approach it as if we are playing Real Madrid, managed by Mick McCarthy. This and the Huddersfield game, they're both very similar teams to us. They've got very similar records, which is, I guess, why they're around us in the league. Not... Either of them in particularly good form. I mean, Huddersfield got to be taken on its own merits, hasn't it, really? Form book's out the window. Dog's got it. (laughs) I mean, if we don't beat Ipswich, I think the pressure on McDermott will build and then winning becomes virtually impossible against Huddersfield. (laughs) (laughs) Because it is anyway. Three home games in a row is quite a lot to deal with. 
when it's you're under pressure. Because we're quite good at home versus away where we're not that good. We're also quite good at crushing the hopes of our new signings, of which we have two who have not impressed so far. I'd have to suggest that... Those two um, shit fuckers, I don't, give, I don't care if they... I don't care what they think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another anonymous appearance from Cameron Play Stewart. Play the kids! If Cameron Stewart <laughs> lets himself get bullied out of the game by Luke Varney again, then... Um, he may have a problem when it comes to Huddersfield. It's not going to be that everybody behind Leeds United against the Terriers' atmosphere. It's going to be everybody on Leeds United's backs, including us. Yeah, there could, be, there could be a horrible tension to all this. What, lift us like a Labrador walking in front of the away end? <laughs> not sexual tension, no. I don't mean that. They signed a new player as well called Harry Bum. Have they? Yeah, they got him on loan. Hairy Dog's Bum. That's actually his name. I can't remember what his actual name is. But if you just check the internet, Huddersfield's squad list and you will find a player called Hairy Bum. I'll have to take your word for it. So hopefully he'll be playing. They've got a trip to Bournemouth um, midweek before playing us. Will they be tired? Should be. Some quite good nightlife in Bournemouth. No. How are they getting there? Together. Have they even heard of flying in Huddersfield? I don't know. They've seen the, the big silver birds in the sky through the smoke from the <laughs> mill chimneys. The um, the thing that worries me about the Huddersfield game is that they beat us last time when we would remember we were brilliant against Birmingham, and then we all thought we were going to go and bat them at the no, at the McAlpine Smiths Gal Farm, <laughs> and then uh, they beat us three two. And then looking at the players who didn't play, James Vaughan didn't play that day. Adam Clayton didn't play that day, and he one of their better players. Hey. Well, that's a sad thing. He probably is. Yeah, he'd get um, our team now, wouldn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah, Martin Patterson didn't play. He's pretty good. And Naki Wells wasn't even there, and he scored got two and two. So it's kind of they beat us with their B team, and if they turn up with their A game, it would be like Naki Wells scores a hundred percent of the time. So we're going to have to score two to win this. Yes, now that is science. Yeah. That is science. Mm-hmm. You can well, look the- at onwhoscored.com all you want. You're not going to find accurate science like that. On the flip side, we were quite good, thought we were going to batter them, as you say, Michael disagrees. This time we're a little bit shit, so we're mm. probably expecting a defeat, possibly a heavy defeat. We'll so that'll make it easier. It'll <laughs> <laughs> make it easier to take. <laughs> Yorkshire rivals playing in blue and white, <laughs> no problem. Naki New Year, that's what they're calling it, isn't oh, it? With that's their, terrible. Their little adverts. They've signed Bradford City's best player and they'd get excited. I like to think that if we'd signed Bradford City's best player, we'd just ignore him. It was interesting that on his debut, Bradford City, in the league lower, still pulled a thousand more fans than Huddersfield did. Big club. They were probably just waiting for him to leave. <laughs> Go and play for that Huddersfield down the road. Tired of you, lad. The Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnight. This is the fortnightly award that we give to somebody who's contributed to our ongoing state of perpetual misery as Legion United fans. Um, and we start, as always, with a nomination for Kenneth himself. Um... Have we got a reason for it this fortnight? Yes. Feel free. Selling the club to go finance house <laughs> capital. If you just have kept it, we wouldn't have this problem. I drove past um, Ken's new offices on the way home from work the other day and I, the lights were on. I've tried to crane my neck to see if anything was going on in there. but Well, there was a little bit in the Daily Mail today saying he's on holiday in South Africa and that his um, long-mooted autobiography is not yet finished because there are legal difficulties with the final chapter, which deals with the last two years. Well, there's a surprise. Yeah, so he, he can't talk about all that because it's all in court. So he's just gone on holiday to South Africa. So whoever it was that's working in Subway, I hope they've got a contract. Maybe they were burgling him. I hope they were, to be honest. <laughs> Ken's definitely not there, in fact. So if, if he wasn't being burgled then, no one's in there. Going out yourselves. <laughs> See what's up there. Leave Some, t- some tanning equipment. <laughs> leave the reputable businesses downstairs alone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But um, if you're a Leeds also, fan and actually, you're taking some stuff from upstairs, you probably outpay for it. So. If West Yorkshire Police are listening, also leave the uh, businesses upstairs alone. <laughs> Don't burgle, is but, the message. But be aware that there are extra security cameras in place, probably. There is also a massive police headquarters just next to <laughs> it's it. It's not so, open you know. yet. Oh, fine. Out yourself. <laughs> Get him while you can. Hey, listen, controversial territory. I, I want to nominate Brian McDermott for this award. For his, for his four, two, For his two, one, two, three, two, four, three. Yeah. That formation, he didn't learn against... Ro- it was stupid against Rochdale. It was stupider against Sheffield Wednesday. What's that Gloria Restefan song with all the numbers in? That's one, two, three, four. Then the lyric Come is... Come on, baby, tell me, say, say you, you love, love me. Yes. Five, six, seven, seven times. Nine. I always thought it was nine. And I was like, where's eight? You're wrong. Well, it's like Brian McDermott's probably... That might be his next team talk. 
Yeah, Brian McDermott for the 3-4-3, hard to argue with, really. It was an uninspired move. A particular nomination for Marius as well, for his performance in this game. He's not a young man, he's a seasoned pro. He should not be playing like that. Something was wrong. Something was badly wrong. Don't know <laughs> what. sickly relative. Yeah, could have been. Well, why, why don't we extend this to the entirety of Leeds United's football team for the entirety of the Sheffield Wednesday game? Who was the ref who sent um, Smith off? Probert as well. Yeah. So, Lee Probert we, sent I've, him off. We'd have probably won that game. Well, we came back against Watford. Yeah, fact, yeah. yeah that's science as well. Science yeah. in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't really nominate all the team for Sheffield Wednesday without nominating Matt Smith. He didn't do anything wrong. Still. All right, well, if we're nominating Matt I'm not. Smith, I'm nominating for his sheer size. If we're nominating Matt Smith, who is innocent, I'm also nominating the under-13 girls team that they paraded around the pitch before the Leicester game, um, who I presume are all also innocent in every respect. But they were wearing... <laughs> you tree alarm! You tree alarm! <laughs> they were wearing blue and white striped shirts. They were basically wearing a Sheffield Wednesday kit, like oh. piss-taking little bastards. So if you've got... Fr- I mean, and they didn't even pay to get in, I presume, so they got a free ride to Elland Road and they come dressed as the team that just hammered us 6-0. It's not on. Can I also throw in the Leicester players who um, their boots seem to be sponsored by Dayglow because there's a vast array of Dayglow yellow and orange and green For crimes against fashion? Yeah. Okay. I also have a nomination uh, related to that. It's a busy fortnight. That's been Casper fucking Schmeichel. Okay. Who I never liked, even when he was ours. I just never warmed to him. Hard to warm to. And as far as I was concerned, I refer to him now as fake Casper. We had the original Casper. This was like the real Ghostbusters. He must be having because he's both fake Casper and fake Schmeichel. <laughs> <laughs> he's got nothing, basically. He's come. He's turned up with a stupid Van Dyke beard, which is bad enough if you've got dark hair, but nobody with blonde hair should grow a Van Dyke beard. Obviously, revelling in the abuse took so long over every goal kick to the point where when um, the ball got stuck on the roof and they sent another ball out for him to take a goal kick with, picked the ball up, Pressed it a couple of times, like, no, no, pressure's not right. Threw it back, had to get another ball. And only Kasper Schmeichel would be enough of an arsehole to stand there. And then he was banging the... I used to get annoyed when Kasper Ankerkren used to uh, bang his studs against the post and he used to echo around an empty Island Road. And then Kasper Schmeichel turns up and he started doing it as well. Don't suddenly now start copying Kasper's habits, good Kasper's habits. He's a spoilt rich kid who happens to be playing football. Yes. Strange blend. Yes. He's a horrible, smug little bastard as well. And those tales of him, we used to play, uh, grew up playing football with Alex Bruce. He's like, oh yeah, we used to kick it about in their back garden. Their back garden's probably bigger than most housing estates. Their back garden is Cheshire. Yeah, exactly. Um, And nothing good ever came from Cheshire. Ken Bates then for selling the club to GFH. Brian McDermott for his 3-4-3. We don't know, we don't have nominations, I've got more, we've got more. (laughs) (laughs) All the participants in the 3-4-3, particularly as well, standout performances from uh, Marius uh, Jalukas and Matt Smith for getting sent off, uh, Lee Probert for sending off Matt Smith, the under-13 girls team that paraded round the pitch versus Leicester City, before that game, sorry, the Leicester players for their day-glow crimes against fashion, fake Casper for his dickheadedness. We can't give it to Matt Smith, because he, he didn't mean to do no. that. He just doesn't know where his limbs are. And look at it, he's so he's like, he's like the big man in the Green Mile. He never meant to cause any harm. <laughs> he meant to go for the ball, didn't get that. He, so was trying, he was trying to heal him. Does this mean Does this mean then that Lee Probert's a front-runner because he sent off Matt Smith and we would have definitely won with Matt Smith on the pitch? I've never liked Lee Probert's face. So he's no, got that as well. And he was, la- um, he was fourth official for the scum Chelsea game. He no, was he's laughing, laughing with away, uh, yeah. no, Mourinho. He's, so he's, he's in contention. Ken, obviously, we got to rule him out. We're not allowed. Brian for his 3-4-3. Three, three. He's had enough abuse. Oh, it's a good shout, I think. Michael, uh, I'm going to have to ask you what. Mm, I might go for Casper, you know. Well, this is it. When you've got a list that's got <coughs> fake Casper on it, then Brian McDermott. I think Moscow's put forward a good case. We've got the McDermott thing of the players. Once they cross that line and all that bollocks, yeah. you know, whose responsibility yeah. is it? So between them, they could split the vote. Yeah, it's Casper's going to swoop in. Hey, I'll say give it to Casper. Should we give it to Casper Schmeichel? I'll take it to him myself. So we're officially Prick. officially ruling Casper Schmeichel as worse than the 6-0 defeat to Sheffield Wednesday. Look at his face. Any other business? And last but by no means least is our chance to remind you that issue six of the fanzine is out now, featuring the cover of Bobby Collins um, and various bits of uh, analysis of our misery uh, contained within. That's on sale now at thesquareball.net and you can pick it up at the home games. We look forward to issue seven being out in a bit. 
Hopefully we'll actually want to produce that one yeah. rather than <laughs> doing, it in, the, doing it in the pit of despair that we did this one from. <laughs> you can buy it in person at the corners of Ellen Road at the home matches and online, as we said, at thesquareball.net. And that's about it from us, I think. Uh, get in touch with us. You can email podcast at thesquareball.net, tweet at thesquareball, or grab us on Facebook as well. We'll return in a fortnight. Bye from me and Michael. Goodbye. And Moscow. Bye-bye. And Oddie. Goodbye. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.